0: I want action to see people in groups. I want action to see people talking about it. I want to be able to go into a corporation, you know, an HR department saying, you know, we have people that're struggling big time with mental health and we need someone to come in with a program to talk about it and help them and give them direction and give them permission to speak without feeling shame or guilt or fear of being fired or fear of being blackballed for promotion. Is
1: there- darkness to life contains the real stories of courageous individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse if these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn rick ryan and damien are here for you please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on facebook at our collective journey
2: Hey, welcome from Darkness to Life and our Collective Journey podcast. My name is Poncho Parker, joined by founding members of OCJ, Ryan Rick. Thank you so much. And through the power of technology, uh, no, I, I want to say Caledonia Troy, but I've already gotten that wrong.
0: It's in Caledon.
2: Caledon, north of uh, Toronto. Troy Colmer, thank you uh, so much. You have an incredibly, incredibly amazing story. And not only have you overcome your, I guess, addictions, mental battles, you have taken that. And you have done something that has really inspired people that you know and inspired people that you don't know. And you are growing something absolutely incredible. And it comes in the form of something called sober athletic wear. Let's talk about that and then we're going to back up and talk about how you got to creating Sober Athletic Wear. This is your company, so tell us about it and tell us why you started.
0: Sure, absolutely. Um, So I've always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit in me and um, never really got around to opening a business due to various circumstances. But um, in the past, Year or two, I've had an idea of starting a company called Sober and I really didn't know what that was going to be or how I was going to go about. Um, but I found a, a way to get into the marketplace at a very reasonable um, level as far as um, financially and that's by a non-demand product um, which I sell. Um, so, I don't have to stock anything. It, everything goes through um, various partners that I have in North America and across the world to make the products for me. And deliver it direct, so you can order one shirt and it's made specifically for you, or you could order a hundred shirts or however many you wanted. It. So it's a, it's an interesting concept. So it's an e-commerce store. I don't have a physical store. I work out of my house um, as far as doing my website and updating and uh, making any uh, different things like that as far as uh, technical stuff goes. Um, but the idea behind it was yeah. I wanted to give back um, to the community that helped me. Um, when I started my sober journey back in the fall of 2014, um, so I've, you know, had various, um, I guess, people in my life and different organizations that have helped me to um, to get sober. And um, the idea for me was to be able to give back some money, raise some money through sales of shirts, hats, uh, you know, coffee cups. All kinds of things, aprons, barbecue aprons, all kinds of, anyway, you can see on the website. And, um, and I just, you know, felt the calling to give back in that regard um, to help people because obviously, you know, not all of this is free. You know, I personally went through some psychotherapy and um, so I saw college, psychologists and things like that, which, uh, you know, I'm blessed to be able to have benefits to be able to do that. But the majority of people probably aren't. Mm -hmm. So, um, although AA and different 12-step programs are available and free to attend, and uh, I've I've attended that myself as well, um, I needed a little bit of an extra kick for myself because what uh, I found for me was that um, the alcohol necessarily uh, wasn't my addiction. My addiction was Hmm. to um, self-medicating from my mental issues that I've had in my life as far as depression, anxiety, anxiety and those type of things. So obviously, um, when you don't know, you even have depression or anxiety. And, you know, back when I was going through this uh, heavily in 2009 and 10, um, I don't recall any conversations or Bell Let's Talk kind of days or people, you know, talking about mental health at all. So I really didn't know what was going on with me. And all I knew that I wasn't happy. you Uh, you you said
2: something that i think is incredibly incredibly common with anybody that deals with mental health you said it wasn't alcohol that was a problem you were turning to alcohol as a a band-aid solution for all of the other mental health demons that you were
0: battling with yes and you know i've learned that through time that because i had to deal with all my junk and the stuff that was deep down inside of me and rooted me and and uh the neurons in my brain that were connecting as a kid, and things that I had heard and gone through that terrified me and made me a little bit nervous about certain things um, that I heard and saw. Um, you know, I, I, I and you know, I can get into a little bit of my story just because it, I, it'll help you know uh, give an idea of what it is. But when I was 14, I remember the first time I tried alcohol I was with my buddies, and um, it was the very first time I ever felt relief to my brain because I was going through some things and I didn't know how to cope. And you know, it was just a fluke, I guess, that that I was with them and we, we tried it. But I remember writing in my creative book, I was probably in grade eight at the time, saying went to with ABC Pitts was a place that we went to, it was a quarry and uh had my first drink and I just raved about it, how great it was. Mm-hmm. And I thought this is the best thing I've ever tried. It gives me the relief and the, um, the, just the calmness, I guess. I don't know even how to describe it. That's what came over me at the time. And the, you know, I had some inhibitions and this and that, and it it relieved that. So it was, uh,
2: so at at the age of 14, you were already, you know, dealing with mental health issues. Did, did you know that you had demons at that age? Did you know that you didn't feel right comparatively to your friends?
0: Um, no, I didn't actually. I, I knew. Um, so I I'd give you a little bit of background about why I grew up in a very right wing conservative house, um, very religious right wing conservative house. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, hearing messages that I heard um, scared the hell out of me, to be honest with you. And um, because I, in my brain, couldn't live up to what it was that I thought I should be living up to the messages that I was hearing. And I'm not here to bash religion or anyone's spirituality because I'm a very spiritual person now. And that's what part of my journey is. But at that time, yeah. it was so conservative that it really, really scared me. And I was um, ashamed that I couldn't live up to what my church expected me, what my parents expected me to live up to. And that's kind of what I put on myself and the message I heard and caused me tremendous amount of anxiety and fear because I thought, you know, Because I couldn't live up to this um, certain level of living that I thought I was, like the message I heard, I thought I was worthless. I thought I was a failure. I thought I was a bad person. I thought, you know, all these kind of thoughts as a little kid, when you hear that from the age of, you know, the time that you learn how to speak and you're, you hear that week after week after week, you believe? it really, really uh, did a toll on me. And I didn't know that till later in life, but at the time, when I was 14, I was finding relief through it because it was just such a stressful thing for me that I, um, I didn't know it was mental health. All I knew is I felt like crap, and I really, really hate, didn't like myself, and I was very um, upset that I couldn't live up to the standard that I saw set before me. And th-
2: there's a stigma around mental health now, and let alone the stigma back then. So I'm going to assume that you felt like you couldn't talk to anybody about your thoughts and is that a reason why alcohol provided you with that
0: sense of relief absolutely it absolutely did and I what what it, it, it caused me to do was live um, two lives so I lived a life where I was with my family and with my church family and I lived a life outside of that with my buddy so um it was very confusing um, and it, it it's like being a schizophrenic in the sense where you you, you've got to remember where you are. You've got to remember who you're speaking to. Mm-hmm. And the reason I did that is because I didn't want to disappoint anybody. I didn't want to be um, seen as a failure and, and from my family and my church, and I didn't want to um, feel like a fake. So I had another, another set of friends and things like that. So I, I really lived a dual existence. And when your brain forms like that as a child, you take that into, of course, your teenage years and adult years, and I lived like that. I, I just had a really hard time separating um, the two lives and being truthful and honest. And it came to a point where I was about 30 years old. I finally said, this is crazy. This is enough. And I came to be, the point where I actually loved myself and accepted myself for who I am. And um, that was a real turning point in my life uh, as far as that goes. It, 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 I still drank a lot and I still um, self-medicated. Um, unknowingly. I just thought I was a guy who partied a lot and enjoyed that lifestyle. And I didn't really think much of it, but really, you know, I would even joke if I was out with my friends and say, you know, you know, I'm going to have another drink. And they're like, oh, I'm done. And I said, well, I'm going to have one. I'm an alcoholic. I can't stop. I'm going to have another drink. And I was joking, but I I guess I was foreshadowing what I really, really was deep down and um, and self-medicating big time throughout my, um, my tw- my teens and my twenties. Um, well, and sure, and, yeah. and you were and you were living
2: two completely separate lives you know i and i mean that's got to catch up to you eventually cuz not only are you feeling pressure from your family and i'm sure you're feeling a different sense of pressure from your friends you want to keep them happy you want to keep these people happy and like you said you didn't feel that you could talk about it and so then you hit your your breaking point what was there one specific example was there one point in your life what was the ultimate deciding factor that made you go okay this this is it i i can't live like this anymore
0: well it wasn't my decision to be honest with you it was okay. my wife who approached me so i was uh, i got married when in my early 30s and um so i um Drank, and it was something that was a part of our family. And she saw what I did, she wasn't always happy with it, but put up with it. Um, and then as time went on, uh, 2008, my mom passed away, <clears throat> she had cancer for many years, and it was a very tough thing to watch and go through. And um, so in 2009, 2010, I'd been married then eight, nine years, and um, I was working. Uh, I was in the car business and I worked, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day, most weeks and six days a week. And having a young family with uh, young kids and not dealing with my mom's um, passing and that type of thing, um, I used to go to work, then I would come home and I would probably drink, you know, a bottle of wine and probably four beers and then go to bed and then wake up and then kind of got into that routine where I was, you know, the kids were in bed and my wife was in bed. And I would sit by myself just to try and unwind. And uh, um, over time, it it just became worse and worse and worse. And uh, she came to me um, one day and said, you know, Troy, you're getting to an unhealthy level here. We need to have a discussion. And, of course, um, in the beginning, because I didn't want to lose my marriage and I didn't want to lose my kids, I agreed to get help, um, which I did. I went to AA and um, tried that for a while. And really, I didn't accept my problem, I couldn't get past, although I thought I got past the first step, I really didn't. I really didn't believe in my deepest, deepest hearts that I was an alcoholic and that I needed help. Um, I said it, I went to the program as much as I could, but really, again, I lived a dual life. I was in recovery in my family's eyes and in my own, you know, I was sneaking around and I would hide alcohol and I would um, do those type of things where uh, I just, I would get by, and then I would, so I would have sometimes where I didn't drink, sometimes I did drink, and then it was just a, a disaster. So it took me many years I, to come to a point where I said, you know, I'm exhausted. I can't continue lying. I can't continue um, being a phony. And um, so, it, I, you know, probably it took me till a couple of years ago to really, really dive into some deep therapy and, and get help. And what helped me this past pandemic of all things, really helped me. I went into a program last summer um, through the local hospital and addiction services and really deep dive into the psychological reasons behind um, all of these things that drove me to need to self-medicate. And um, it was an eye opener and a life changer for me. And um, so I would say for a year now, it's been fantastic, very happy. Um, when I'm not sorry. exhausted anymore from, you know, you know, just messing around and, and trying to get through life.
2: When your wife came to you and said, okay, Hey, things are out of control. And you said, okay, I'm going to get help. Did you believe that you needed help or were you doing it to appease your wife and your kids? And again, this goes back to being 14 and, and living those two lives and not wanting to disappoint everybody that you're close to.
0: Yeah, well, I absolutely was pissed off because I I saw it as a character flaw in myself. Although I agreed to and and um, saw that it was an issue in my house, um, I didn't believe it was an issue with me. I believed it was her issue mm. because mm-hmm. she, uh, you know, I, I just thought it was an issue. So, and um, didn't and and for me, I didn't I didn't I guess deep down, deep down feel that way because I've kind of gone off and on and. I don't know if you guys had this experience where, you know, you go a, a pretty decent amount of time without drinking and you think, ah, I'm cured. There's mm-hmm. no problem. I, there's no way I have an addiction problem. Look at it. I just went four, three, four months without drinking. Who cares? I'm, yeah. I'm great. I'm, I'm cured. Well, I'm not cured. <laughs> yeah. And, and, <laughs> um, I, and, I and I think I found yeah. out the hard way that way. And um, so, yeah. I, and you know, it, it was a, it was a point where I came into my life where I had to surrender and I, that was tough. Um, I don't take direction from other people very easily. I'm, I'm a bit of a pig headed person. And when it comes to fight or flight, I tend to fight more than I flight. And, um, yeah, I battled and I didn't, you know, it was a battle. I wasn't going to win. And, um, when you come to a point where you can surrender and you feel good about it. And for me, it was in being honest. Finally, I could be honest to everybody, not just Mm -hmm. some people. And I sat down with my inner circle of friends and and told them what was going on with my life. I told them bits and pieces and I said, I'm trying to quit drinking and this. And they're like, ah, you're fine. You know, but they didn't see me at home. They didn't see me hiding it. They didn't see me having vodka on the way home from work in my car. Um, You know, so I I kept a lot of secrets and that's, I know I live my life a lot like that, which is embarrassing to, to say, but, you know, to be able to be vulnerable and talk about this stuff truthfully now is is the key to recovery.
2: I think you're courageous. I don't think there's anything to be embarrassed about. So fearless is what it is. The fact that you laid it all out on the line, not knowing the repercussions that you could potentially have on your family, because you probably had no idea was, was was, was there some fear going after you laid it out going, are they going to stay by my side?
0: <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a more, uh, you know, I thought, was there going to be a misunderstanding? Was there going to be a rejection? Um, you know, I knew from my my wife and my kids, it was never going to be that. They just wanted to see me healthy and they wanted to see their dad um, in a good place. And, um, and I wanted to be there too, because I wanted them to be proud of me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was a very active father. I, it's not like I was an absent father. I, did everything with my kids and traveled with them. They were in competitive dance and with their schooling. I went to all of their, all of their stuff. So it wasn't that I was absent, but I was, um, I was embarrassing sometimes for them for sure. Um, so and they like knew that their mom wasn't happy and it was a, a, you know, we would have problems in the home and that was not good either. So
2: from the outside looking in, you were a functioning
0: alcoholic. Yeah, for sure hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I, I held a job. I didn't go on benders for days on end. Um, I, you know, if you saw me from the outside of my home, you think I'm just a normal guy in functioning society, goes to work, has a family, uh, 10 church on Sunday. And, um, you know, nobody really would have questioned anything. But I bet uh,
2: it made you feel incredibly guilty on the inside, didn't it?
0: Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, I've lived with guilt and fear my entire life. I mean, those have been <laughs> the mm-hmm. two greatest motivators in my life, uh, for sure. Mm. And the day where I made a decision to be 100% truthful in recovery was the day that was like, a weight was lifted off of my yeah. body. And to come home, not have to lie where I was, what I was doing, um, to wake up, clear-minded in the morning and you know put in a, a good healthy day's work feeling great um you know I just uh, I thought I was missing out like you know I just I, I just thought if I didn't drink how boring is this going to be like I just didn't see a, a life not doing it I just thought what in the hell am I going to do with myself I don't I didn't really know what to do and or, or or what but it's it's been amazing people have been so supportive um my best buddies are you know, 100% behind me. Uh, my wife's very proud of me. My kids are very proud of me. They love the fact that I started a company to try and help other people. And You let's- know, everything's going in the right direction. So um, it's the best decision I've ever made. It's, it's hard some days, but um, I've learned techniques now from, from therapy on how to get through things when I'm having trouble, when I'm uh, hit, you know, times of depression and anxiety um, how to, how to relieve that without, um, self-medicating. So it's learning those techniques. It's being truthful. It's surrendering. It's a lot of things. Um, but it's being able to get up and look at yourself in the mirror and be proud of yourself every day, which is, is a great feeling.
2: You said something a few minutes ago that resonates with me. And I've never heard it quite said, as you said it, you took your fear, you took your guilt, and you said that's what became your motivation to start your business. I, I mean, that takes huge amounts of courage. And was that the beginning of Sober Athletic Wear?
0: It was because I wanted to um, s- spread a message because the way that I have my my logo and the way that it's um, designed is a little bit different. It's not spelled. I don't know if people can see it or not, but. You know, if they go to my website, they'll see it. And um, it's supposed to be a conversation um, piece. So when someone sees it, I, I want people to talk. Um, and, you know, as guys, we grow up like I grew up in a family and in a, in a culture where we just sucked it up and ate it up and moved on, you know, like just, you know, trudge on and trudge on. And that's what I did for many years. I just went through the motions um, when I had my deep depression in 2009, 10 um, it's a blur. I don't remember those years much. I just remember getting up, going to work, coming home, having drinks, going to work, coming home, having drink. And it was just uh, a, t- a terrible time. And I didn't see a point of life. It's, I wasn't suicidal, but I just found really no joy being a dad, no joy being a husband. Um, my work, which I loved and gave 100% in, was just dwindling my enjoyment for it. Um, I'm a business person. And then, you know, just to see customers was a grind and that just wasn't me. And um, so when I, when I started the company, I really wanted to be able to tell my story because I think there's more people like me than other than people who go on vendors and have really, really deep rooted issues. You know, when I attended AA, I I saw people were coming out of jail. I saw people coming out of rehab for, Ninety days, whatever all, and I I didn't relate to that story because that didn't happen to me. But I, in hindsight, thinking I'm thinking, there's way more people who are denying the fact that they do have issues with alcohol or drugs or whatever that would be on a daily basis that grind it out, and they just their lives are not fulfilling. It's just a complete disaster, but they grind through. So. If I can tell a story or they can see a logo and somebody who's wearing it can share a story, say, listen, there's a better way of life if you're interested. And And we all know you can't be forced to change because it, it comes from within. And it took me a long time to realize that, too, because I was doing everything for everybody else, not doing it for me. Once I started doing it for me, that's when the magic happened. That's when things started happening. That's when my attitude changed. That's when I started to be vulnerable. That's when I started talking to other people about it. That's when I was honest. So I want to create spaces for people to be able to feel comfortable to talk about it. And if they see a guy like me, just a regular Joe Blow guy, you know, talking and sharing his story, I'm hoping that that can inspire somebody um, to do that. I don't have to be a celebrity. I don't have to be a sports figure. I don't have to be somebody of influence. Uh, in general life just to be a guy where people can see is my mission and my goal in life for the rest of my life i'm going to be doing this and talking about it and hopefully over time working on it and working on it slowly we'll get there to a point where um giving back is, is number one and also creating a space for uh, community and talking but also action
3: yeah action. for sure troy this is ryan and uh you know, listening to you tell your story, we've talked about this lots in here. Is parts of your story are my story. Parts of your story are Rick's story, Damien's story. And we know so many people, right, that once we start telling our stories, we have so many common threads and you know, that connect to all of us. And that's one of the reasons we started OCJ is the same reason, you know, one of the reasons you started Soberware is to give people permission to tell their story or resonate with, you know, it isn't, you know, the demographic that we that we associate right away with addiction. It isn't the person who's destitute, right? Oftentimes it's the person who's struggling, maybe doesn't know that's the problem. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And that's what drew me to you initially, right? With, um, I came across your, your logo and, and not to name drop, but we both are know a celebrity who, who endorses your product and wears your product. And that's how I came across it. And it was, you're exactly right. It's the logo that caught my eye, right? It's the, it's the misspelling of it almost that the conversation piece. And that's what really drove me to reach out to you and start talking with you about this. And once you shared part of your story with me, that's the reason I thought, man, we got to have Troy on the podcast because he's just like we are. He's not a Hollywood actor. He's not a celebrity. He's just your regular white collar dude out there and struggles, right? And was willing to tell his story. And that's the permission for the next person to tell their story. And that's. It's amazing. And the fact
2: that you've taken your struggles, Troy, and you've turned it into something so incredibly positive, you are giving anybody and everybody an opportunity to reiterate what Ryan just said. You're opening up the door to talk about your, you know, mental health issues, whatever that may be. And I think your line of clothing is a huge conversation (laughs) piece. I mean, you probably can't go anywhere without somebody asking you what, your sober athletic wear cap is all about, as an example?
0: Yeah, sometimes they're a little shy to ask about it, but I definitely can see eyes on it. <laughs> sure. So some people will talk up, and, you know, speak up, some don't. But, um, you know, if, if it does resonate with somebody, they'll definitely um, speak up. So, I mean, I live in this wear, I, I wear it every day. Um, it's just, you know, I'm a casual guy. So that's the reason I, I picked the athletic wears because, you know, I love to wear a ball cap t shirt shorts, Mm -hmm. you know, running shoes, flip flop in the summer, whatever. And so I wanted a product that I could wear proudly, but also um, something where I could put a brand on there to create that conversation, Um, sell some products. Um, You know, I'm I'm hoping and praying that um, it catches on and people see it and they like it and they buy it because at the end of the day, that money is going to go back into communities across Canada. Um, and I'm working on some things locally here, um, through government grants and so forth to try mm-hmm. and um, create um, online type uh, narratives where people can join the brain and the uh, body together. So it's the mind, body, spirit, all of it melded together and and uh, to get healthy. So, but, what. Um, So what
2: what came so what came first the idea to start a business or the idea to start a business because you wanted to help others?
0: Because I wanted to help others, that was the good. And so I wanted to help others, but I also saw this uh, logo in my head. Um, I didn't see it as it's as it's done today, but I knew the word. I studied the word. I looked it up in the dictionary, and I, I meditated on it. And something with that word sober just resonated with me. So we're, I'm trying to expand the brand to mean a little bit more than just sober from um, alcohol and drugs.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Really, I want it to be mm-hmm. sober from anything because we're talking mental health. And, and mental health um, is a vast spectrum of people, of uh, how they self-medicate and, or what they're getting sober from. You know, people are going through divorces. People have had, you know, tragedies in their home as far as um, uh, members of their family passing away for whatever reason. People have been bullied their whole lives or they've experienced racism or their, you know, their sexual orientation or whatever it would Mm be. People have all kinds of problems that have affected them mentally to drive them for self-medication. Our choice was alcohol or drugs. And that's what I believe you guys would talk about mm-hmm. mostly but really it could be anything so I, I really want to expand the brand into um, meaning more of a recovery and a healing type word mm-hmm. um, clarity of mind those type of things the original Greek it's on my website in the first page the the definition from how it was translated from Greek into English and it talks about clarity of mind and so forth so it didn't have the connotation back then to drugs, alcohol and getting sober, but to get sober as a person, a clear minded, living cl- clearly, living healthfully, those type of things. So that's kind of how it all connects. And and But for me, it's about giving back mm-hmm. and, and starting conversations. But the conversations, you know, talk is cheap. We all know we want action. I want action to see people in groups. I want action to see people talking about it. I want governments to get involved. I want, you know, private sector to get involved. I want the educational system to get involved. I want to be able to walk into a school and give a talk in a, a, to students about it and share my experience of when I was there, aging in grade 7, 8, high school, what was going on. I want to be able to go into a corporation and sit down with uh, people and talk about my situation because there's probably people... know, an HR department saying, you know, we have people Mm -hmm. that are struggling big time with mental health and we need someone to come in with a program to talk about it and help them and give them direction and give them permission to speak without feeling shame or guilt or fear of being fired or fear of being blackballed for promotion. We want to be a company that um, aligns with our employees. We want to be a school that aligns with our students. Those type of things are my goals in the future. Because Initially, it's just, you know, get the logo out start talking, meeting people like Ryan who would reach out, partnerships across North America. I know We're all, you know, kind of trying to do the same thing. And there's so many people to reach that mm-hmm. we can't do it by myself. My company can't do it by myself. You guys can't do it by yourself, but all of us together coming together as a community yeah. in the mental health and addiction space, yes, we can come together. I can come to Alberta one day and go to a conference that you guys are maybe putting on. You guys can come to Ontario maybe one day Mm -hmm. and do something on, you know, all those kind of things, or online. Who knows where it's going to lead, but I just know from being in this space for about eight months now, it's a community with a massive need. There's people with huge hearts out there to try and help, and I love seeing all of these groups popping up that I'm starting to meet, and it's really encouraging because, you know, we can't change the world in one day, but we can change one life one day yeah. and that person's going to change and they may help someone else. And it's going to be that snowball effect. How yep. do you eat an elephant? You eat it one bite at a time. You keep going and grinding and grinding and you get there. Um, it, it's, it's daunting. It's a daunting task, but for people who are receptive to our message and our, um, lifestyle, it's there for them. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm here to support them and help them in any way. And I know that, uh, part of what you guys are doing is the same thing. So I really appreciate, you know, what what you do in your podcast and I've listened and I enjoy it. And, uh, you know, I encourage you guys to keep going and I'm going to do the same thing.
2: Well, we will. And I I mean, mental health is all encompassing. It doesn't discriminate against gender or age or geographical location. And you talk about, uh, expanding your brand and it benefits everybody. And so in about eight months, I, I mean, it started at your place and, so who have you talked to for, from where in the world? I know you, you're here. You are from Ontario talking to us in Southern Alberta. Uh, you said you've made connections uh, south of the border as well.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, so I so mean, I, you were yeah. really
2: getting the word out.
0: Yeah. So um, I've done a podcast with a gentleman um, into the blue dark and um, he's out of uh, San Antonio, Texas. He does a adult lifestyle um, kind of thing where he promotes, um, responsible drinking and non-alcoholic beer kind of drinking so and healthfully and that kind of thing so it's not a great alignment with me but I mean still it it gives me an opportunity to speak because there's there's people within his community Um, great organization out of New York New York. um, uh, same here global uh, gentleman by the name of Eric and I think Theo Fleury is uh, on board with him they have a new podcast Um, uh, we're all a little bit crazy and uh, they've been putting that out once a week. So, you know, I've, I've met Theo and he was very, very um, generous in wearing my hat. And that's where uh, Ryan, um, I believe, saw, saw my logo. Um, so, yeah. And people are buying my stuff in California. I've sold in Alabama. I've sold, you know, various spots. Um, a lot of people in the West are very <laughs> interested in his brands. <laughs> Saskatchewan, Alberta, uh, been two of my great hotspots. And I think that's probably from uh, people like yourselves that live there and retweet or or you know mm-hmm. uh, like the things i put on social media things starting getting out there so yeah it's expanding i've had a podcast with a gentleman in germany um who's an expatriate patriot wow. from uh, uh, he's a uh, ex uh, baseball player i believe he plays professional in germany so i spoke with him so it's getting out there yeah a lot of people in europe as well follow me um, on social media awesome and um yeah it's exciting
2: an- another wonderful thing about your story just like how no people are the same a solution for someone might not be the same solution for somebody else and and so your resolution to your problem I mean you, you really found a way that that worked for you as opposed to maybe a way that might not work for you know somebody else how key was that in you you know living a healthy positive life
0: yeah, I tried a few different things. I tried AA to begin with. Um, I'm not a super outgoing social person, and I'm I'm pretty private, so I'm not that that format for me was a little bit difficult. Um, I've had one-on-one counseling um, a few times. That seemed to work better for me. Um, but it, it really, to be honest with you, Poncho, until I opened myself up to healing and and really making a commitment, um, I think the form of what um, I was using was not necessarily the magic potion. It was me finally getting to a place where I made a decision that this is something I'm going to 100% commit to be honest with. So I think, yeah, I mean, people can try anything. I mean, I mean the 12 step programs are obviously very fantastic and have helped. Um, I I would encourage anyone to start there for sure. Um, It's free. You can try it out. You can go to an open meeting. You don't have to go to a closed meeting, so you can bring a friend or you can bring somebody that can come along if you're not comfortable with. Um, so that's that's a great way because it's a scary thing, you know, to walk into a meeting for the first time and not know anybody. But if you go to an open meeting and you can bring someone with you and for encourage sure. you and kind of you know hold your hand along the way, that might be a great step.
2: Um, And and, and you do have to start somewhere and you also make another good point. And I know Ryan can attest to this, regardless of of how you find your solution, we all have that common denominator Mm -hmm. is that we're we're
3: dealing with our own demons, our own mental uh, health issues, you know? Absolutely. And one of the things that you touched on, Troy, that really resonated with me was, Poncho, you said it as well, you know, there's, there's thousands of ways that people end up in addiction. And there's a lot of different ways to end up in recovery, right? There isn't one correct way. And for a fellow like myself, your story kind of resonates with me in the fact that it took more 12-step based programming was what was my kickstart for my recovery, but it took counseling as well. And it took medication Mm -hmm. for depression and it took a lot of these other, you know, additions to 12-step group that that really fueled my recovery. Whereas the next person, maybe 12 step is enough, or maybe just counseling is enough for them. And it's, it's just trying all those different doors until you find the one that fits and not giving up. But, uh, the big piece you talk about is that surrender piece. And for me, until I was ready to surrender and rip that band-aid off and admit that that was the problem, you know, the alcohol and the drugs were the solution for my problem. I was the problem and I really had to dig deep and start looking at my shit in order to figure this out. And I couldn't do it by myself. That was the piece I had to get comfortable with is I need help with this. And that's what we're doing here. And that sounds like exactly what you're doing there is let's, let's rip those band-aids off, start telling these stories and let somebody reach out and we're not going to be able to fix it, but we're going to walk beside you. And if we got to be the people that walk through that door to your first 12 step meeting with you, we've done that hundreds of times and let's keep doing it because someone was there for me. Absolutely. I agree. hundred percent.
0: Yeah, that um, you know, the ego is a big problem with uh, you know, especially with guys. It's um, you know, you don't like to be told what to do. You have an ego. You you know, you think you can handle it, and um, mm-hmm. until you can set your ego aside, it's a big barrier to uh, recovery in my from my experience. You know, and and you are getting it
2: done, and you are helping people, and you're doing it through sober athletic wear i I mean you are giving people a reason to talk about their issues and you are giving people a reason to ask the questions regardless (laughs) of how tough those questions are and and so what you've set out to do and what you're accomplishing to do and to think where you've come from and where you are now and what what you want to do troy is i mean hat if i was wearing a hat hats off to you
0: you know (laughs) i appreciate it thanks bunch It's amazing.
3: And you know what, one of the really cool things that, you know, reading your bio and hearing you speak today and and following your social media is the, the hashtag that you're using sober from, and that concept is amazing because, you know, a common piece between sober athletic wear, what you're doing and what we're doing is we recognize really early we're experts in addiction and, you know, based on our lived experience, but we're not experts in domestic violence and PTSD and grief and loss, you know, um, but we're going to help you find the people that are by sharing your story. It opened the door for other people to share their story through us who have experience in those, uh, venues, right. Or those arenas. And we've connected those people with the next people, right. And hashtag sober from man that hits home because it's not just drugs and alcohol that people are suffering out there right now. Mental health is taking a real kick in the ass. Every five out of five people are impacted by mental health right now. You know, one out of five is mental illness. Totally. Everybody's got some mental health struggles and let's h- find the next person who's going to help them with that. And that hashtag sober from is amazing.
2: I like that hashtag sober from, because it can be from anything as as you said, and if you said anything yeah. from alcoholism to drugs, but I mean, to abuse, to being bullied, the, the stress Name of the, the pandemic, you, are. you can't turn anywhere without somebody dealing with something in their lives. That's fantastic, Ryan. Hashtag sober friend. Yeah. Uh, Troy, is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't touched
0: on? Well, I think we covered quite a bit. And uh, really, I just want to say thank you very much. I, I just, I love telling my story. I, I, I would never have done this in the past. It's uh, something I, you know, had shame, guilt from my entire life, but to be able to have the freedom to come on, um, talk about surrender, talk about um, how to get you know to a point in your life where you can just let go of your ego and, and reach out is uh, just my, my mission in life from now until the day I die. And I just uh, really got to commend you guys. And I appreciate you having me on to be able to uh, put the message out there and hopefully work together uh, for years to come and uh, just in the big community to help. People um, get sober from whatever it is that they need to get
3: sober from. I posted something about your stuff the other day, a quality message, quality gear. Like, the gear is amazing that you have. The quality, the, the fabric of the t-shirt, it's not just... Some 999 fruit of the loom shirt. It's, yeah, it's no,
0: trying to yeah partner with some, I, you know, the, the worst thing you can do is have a logo with a message and people are like, Oh, this stuff is garbage. Yeah. You know? so, so it is about the clothes too, right? You got to have something that someone's actually going to wear and not just, you know, they wear it for a day and it's itchy and they throw it in the, yeah. in the closet right. and they never wear it again. So or it yeah, falls, I'm apart, to,
3: falls apart. Yeah, in the dryer. I'm hoping
0: to get to the point one day where I, you know, if I make some money where I can inventory my own, the beginning is just this is just a way to get into the marketplace at a minimal cost for myself. Yeah, but I still work full time and I have a family to support as well. So I can't really just ditch that and and try this right out of the box. Oh, but uh, over time, you know, things are going to come along and it's early. I'm still early in the in the journey.
2: You know, and it's, it's always interesting. I mean, <clears throat> when you're passionate about something as you are and whatever that passion may be. Whether you want success, whether you don't, it will happen, you know, because you're pouring your heart and your soul into it. And, you know, I, you're on your way to something huge, you know, you're going to need a
0: warehouse soon. I uh, hope so, man. That's the goal because you know what, it, it, as much as, as much as it's about, um, uh, a company it's, you know, sales equals help for people. Yeah. So, yes, um, yes. you know, and my entrepreneurial part of me and my, you know, I've been in sales my whole life. Um, it's, it's fun. It's a passion for me too. So, um, you know, I want to be a success because the more I'm successful, the more, you know, other people are going to have dough to, to do programs and all kinds of things. And
2: it just gave me goosebumps.
0: Yeah,
3: uh, me too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so thank you so much. Speaking with uh, Troy Colmer of soberathleticwear.com. That is your website, correct?
0: Absolutely. Yep. Okay, I, it's right there.
2: I strongly encourage you to uh, check that out start a conversation about mental health and you can start it by, well, wearing some of (laughs) Troy's gear. Uh, Again, Troy, thank you for uh, being part of uh, From Our Darkness to Life podcast.
0: Thank you, Poncho, and appreciate it, Ryan. Thank you.
1: From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn... Rick, Ryan, and Damien are here for you. Please consider supporting Our Collective Journey by visiting ourcollectivejourney.ca and clicking Donate. All proceeds go to supporting the health and wellness of people in our community. Contact Our Collective Journey on Facebook at Our Collective Journey or on the web at ourcollectivejourney.ca. Hosted by Poncho Parker. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a Plugged In Media Network exclusive. Thank you for listening.